Well, today we're going to take a break from the book of Acts, and we're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 4. So if you want to take your Bibles and turn back to the Old Testament, we're going to look at a story that hopefully is familiar. Maybe it brings you back to Sunday school days when one of your Sunday school teachers taught you this story about the widow and the little amount of oil that she had and what God did with it. So 2 Kings chapter 4, we're going to be looking at this widow in regards to mothers and the value of a mother's character and how we all, whether we're moms or not, that we can apply these truths and and principles and characteristics to our life today. We're so thankful for moms. Uh, As I said before, uh, how many of you received mothers, I'm asking now, how many moms already received or heard from your, your children in some fashion uh, this morning? Raise your hand if you've already heard from them. Okay, wonderful. Some of you, some of you personally right there, uh, some may have received a call. I know there was someone in the service while we were singing just uh, the past two songs, there was someone that was trying to get a hold of their mom during the, the singing because the phone kept ringing. Um, repeatedly, and I don't know that anybody heard it or not, but it was funny because I just knew, I said, that, that is a child calling their mom. I know it. <laughs> I don't care what time it is. I don't know what you're doing. I'm going to call. Well, make sure you take time if you haven't to reach out to your mom if she is still here on uh, this earth. I know some of you have lost your moms, and uh, that this day is harder on, on those uh, at those times, but uh, we are so thankful for our moms. I want to ask you another question, all of you as children. How many of you uh, came to faith in Christ and have a, um, a stronger walk and a desire to follow God because of your mom? How many of you? All right. More than half. Our moms have a great influence on us. Oh, obviously, some, some more than others, but Our moms are so important to us, and we're thankful for them. And as we think about the value of moms, people have said this before, and and so this is not necessarily new, but if you think about all the things that moms do, uh, they should be getting getting paid a lot of money, right? (laughs) Right? Amen. There you go. Amen. We just need to find out where that money is coming from, I guess. But because you think about all of the roles that a mother, mother plays, she, she is the maid, she is the chef, the counselor, the administrator, the chauffeur, the accountant. Just think about all those roles and so many others. If you, if you paid someone to do all those things, it would be an astronomical figure. And that's what moms do willingly without any pay every single day. Even as adults, you college-age students, you still come home and have your mom do your laundry, right? (laughs) And and the secret is she likes to do it. So whether she complains about it or not, she still likes to do it. We're so thankful for our moms. I I read a survey, and I wanted to read a couple different things. They they surveyed a second-grade class. And so think about second-graders, what, seven, eight years old, somewhere in that that age group, and they, they asked a bunch of questions to these second graders about their moms. And so here was some of the questions and answers that these second graders gave. Why did God make moms? Why did God make moms? What do you think their answers were? There was a number of, of odd ones, but this was one that stood out to me. 
their answer was mostly to clean the house. That's why God <laughs> made moms. What ingredients are mothers made of? So that took some thinking here, and the young children aren't, aren't necessarily in here, but this is one of the responses was, God makes mothers out of clouds and angel hair and everything nice in the world and one dab of mean. <laughs> that's true. That is, that's true. My mom listens to these messages later on, on on the website, and so, hi, Mom, I love you, and uh, I'm glad you weren't mean most of the time. So, why did, here's another question, why did God give you your mother and not some other mom? I, this was sort of interesting. Uh, so, God knew she likes me a lot, she, let me start over, God knew she likes me a lot more than other moms like me. <laughs> I've experienced that one, too, for sure. What kind of a little girl was your mom? So here's a couple answers. I don't know because I wasn't there, but my guess is she was pretty bossy. <laughs> and then someone else said, they say she used to be nice. So, I'm sorry, moms. We're, we're uh, having fun at your expense today. Oh, here's a good one. Why did your mom marry your dad? Why did your mom marry your dad? Um, my dad ma uh, makes the best spaghetti in the world, and my mom likes to eat a lot. <laughs> Another one. My, uh, she got too old to do anything else with him. <laughs> and and, and a, the last one here, we'll, we'll stop with the, the funnies. Why did your mom marry your dad? My grandpa says my mom didn't have her thinking cap on. <laughs> so, that may be the case. I don't know. We are grateful for our moms, and uh, we're going to look at a familiar passage here in 2 Kings. So if you would, have your Bibles open to chapter 4, and we'll read verses 1 through 7, and then we'll pray. Now a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, go, borrow vessels at large for yourself from all your neighbors, even empty vessels. Do not get a few. And you shall go in and shut the door behind you and you, you and your sons and pour out into all the vessels and you shall set aside what is full. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They were bringing the vessels to her, and she poured. When the vessels were full, she said to her sons, Bring me another vessel. And he, and he said to her, There is not one more vessel. And the oil stopped. Then she came and told the man of God, and she said, Go, sell the oil, and pay your debt, and you and your sons can live on the rest. Well, let's pray and ask God to uh, just uh, give us insight and encourage us today from this passage. Father, we uh, just humbly come before you, and I thank you for each mom here today. I thank you for the, the beauty of the, of the family that you have created, mothers and fathers and children, and that family unit that you designed, God. We praise you for that. We pray that the moms here today would be encouraged pray that they would be able to look beyond the, the stresses and the trials and the, 
pains and the frustrations of life and be reminded of your faithfulness to them and that you will continue to meet their needs. And Father, I pray for each of us that, that we would be reminded of your faithfulness to us and that we would see from this passage how good you are, that you care for uh, the physical needs of our life, that you care for the spiritual needs. And so I pray, God, that wherever we are at in our, in our thoughts, in our, in our mind, in our health situations, and the things that we face, the burdens that we came this morning bearing, I pray that you would meet us there. I pray that you would address those concerns and that you would speak truth to those areas and that we would no longer believe the lies of the enemy, but that we would go away rejoicing and believing the truth of who you are and the truth of what you say and the things that you have promised. And God, that we would ever be grateful for your son Jesus and what he did for us at the cross and the greatest provision that has ever been bestowed on us in allowing your son to take our place on the cross. We thank you for what you're going to accomplish and we give you all the glory and the praise. Help our eyes to be on you, Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray, amen. So today I want us to just be challenged with um, this simple passage. I want us to look at the value of a mother's character and I, and I think that we see some really godly attributes from this, this widow, this mom here in this passage. I want us to just uh, push forward with this one main theme today. You'll see this in your notes as we uh, cover some things. A mother's godly character should be valued and followed in each one of our lives, no matter if we're moms or not. It doesn't matter. And so, again, I say this every Mother's Day, mother's Day but please, non-mothers, don't tune out. This, this message is not uh, only for moms. In fact, I would say that it's, it's definitely geared towards, uh, towards those that aren't moms, to be honest, as we look to moms as an example that we should follow. So let's look at some of the details of this example of this mom. And, and I want us to just highlight three main godly characteristics that I, that I see here. And, and you'll may, you may find more, and that's wonderful. But let's draw some conclusions and some application to our life and ask God to to instill these character qualities in us. First of all, as we look at this, this lady, this woman, this widow, a mother's godly character is seen in her need. When we face needs in our life, when we face difficulties, what is revealed, often what is revealed is what truly goes on on the inside. And sometimes that's not a very good... In other words... My character is revealed when I'm facing a need or a trial or a difficulty. And sometimes what's revealed isn't good, right? It's sort of embarrassing. It's, it's uh, shame-filled at times. Um, one of the big ones, my character flaw would be uh, impatience is revealed a lot uh, in, in just little challenges that I face in life. Um, standing in the grocery store and the long lines and things. Just yesterday, Sean and I were at the grocery store, and the little uh, little scanner thing wasn't working right. And it took us five times, five times to, and the scanner wasn't working. And and every time it wouldn't work, my huff got a little bit bigger. <sighs> and then pretty soon, other people were noticing my huff. And then I got, I was starting to get embarrassed. And 
And, and Sean was getting embarrassed. He's like, Dad. And uh, my character was being revealed, and it, and it wasn't good. But the character of this woman is, is revealed here, and, and I want us to see just the simplicity but the beauty of this. So we think about her need. What are her needs? Just, let's just do a little bit of an accounting here of the needs of this woman here in 2 Kings 4. First of all, she was a widow. Her husband had died. Her husband was a servant of the prophets, most likely a prophet himself. One, it says, who served the Lord and feared the Lord. And so she was a widow of a godly man. But she was in need because she was no longer with her husband. And of course, there are widows here today. And, and God says throughout his word to take care of the orphans and the widows because they are alone for the most part in this world. And so this woman was in that situation as well. She was in need as a widow. Not only was she a widow, but we know that she was poor because we see what took place as uh, this story unfolds. She, uh, being, being the wife of a prophet um, and, and being connected to that group of people, that was a very unpopular thing in Elijah's day and Elisha's day, which this is unfolding here. And remember the prophets of Baal and, and the leadership in Israel, they were Baal worshipers, they were pagans for the most part. And it was not a popular thing to be a follower of God, to, to be someone associated with the prophets that followed God. And so part of that was that they were shunned. They were treated as outcasts. They were uh, often persecuted. And a result was that they didn't have normal exchanges and normal opportunities to interact with people and make money. And because of her being a widow and because of her being the wife of a prophet, she, had, uh, she was poor. There was poverty in her home, and we see that very clearly. What do you have, Elisha says there in, in verse 2, and she says, I got a little jar of oil, that's it. She didn't have a lot to her name, describing her need. In her need of being a widow and being poor, and, and not only that, in this poverty, she was in debt. Notice the end of verse 1, she, she goes to Elisha and she told, tells him her situation you know your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. What a terrible thing. She was so in debt that she was going to have to sell her sons to pay the debt. That's what happened in those days, and it's a terrible situation, but that was the circumstance that she was facing. Pay up or sell your kids. Notice she cried out to the, the one that she thought might have an answer. Elisha was the prophet at this time. And in that day, the way to approach God was through a mediator, through a go-between between us and God. And in those days, it was uh, either the high priest or a prophet. And in this case, Elisha was a prophet and and her connection uh, as her husband was also one that was a servant of the prophets, she knew that she had an option and an opportunity to, to go see Elisha, and maybe Elisha would be able to, to talk to the Lord and give, give her some wisdom and direction. And so she cried out to the one that she felt like she had an opportunity to maybe get some, some clarity, some wisdom, some answers, some provision. Today we approach God in... A, a very similar way. We don't have to go through Elisha. We don't have to go through a prophet. We don't have to go through a pastor or a priest or any other go-between. 
Today, as we look at the New Testament and we see that Jesus, as he died on the cross, the, the veil between us and God was torn in two, and now we have direct access to God through faith in Jesus. Jesus is our mediator. And so this is a beautiful picture as this woman goes to Elisha because that's, that was her option, but now we can go directly to God, boldly to the throne of grace because 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2 and verse 5 says, we have one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. I want you to think about this woman, this mom's need. And then I want you to think about your own needs today. And each of you, no matter how, how uh, well things are going, each of you have needs. Some of them are spiritual needs. Some of them are physical needs, health needs. Some of them are burdens that you face with, with family situations and marital strife and, and kids that are not walking with the Lord. And you name it, the list goes on and on and on. All of us come with burdens. What are you doing with those burdens? What are you doing with the needs that you face in your life? Can you take the example of this mom's godly character and instead of just sitting there in her home and saying, woe is me, and, and just selling off her, off her sons to pay the debt and, and just sort of giving in to life, she, by God's grace, was led to do something to try and seek out uh, Elisha who hopefully could do something about it. What are you doing when faced with burdens, do you seek out the Lord? Do you seek out other godly people that could be an encouragement to you like Elisha was to her? What are you doing with the stresses in your life? Can I just say, you know, a lot of times we like to uh, manage our stress and our burdens our own way. We self-medicate. Uh, we drink more than we should. We um, do things that we shouldn't do as a way of escape. You see what I'm saying? When we should be going to the Lord. She went to Elisha to seek out help. We need to go to the Lord to seek out help because he is the one that truly understands and cares. I want you to be reminded of this verse in 1 Peter 5, 7. You can look at it later, but I want you to memorize it. I, and some of you already have this verse memorized. I cast all my cares on him because he cares for me. Cast all your cares, your burdens on the Lord. Because he cares for you. Why are we seeking out other human uh, temporary things that ease the pain for a moment when Jesus is the one that, that meets our deepest needs, even needs that go back even into childhood. He's the one that meets our needs. Do we have this kind of godly character that this mother has displayed? She didn't sit and do nothing. She went to the one that could make a difference and we need to as well. A mother's godly character is secondly seen in her trials, not just her need, but, but the trials that she faces. And, and we've already talked about the trials that she was going through. She was a widow. She was poor. She was in debt. Her sons were going to be taken as slaves, and she had nothing but a little oil. You see, in America, we don't even really understand what that is like to truly be in poverty. And some of us are are, are more wealthy than others, but all of us in America, no matter if, if our bank account looks very small, uh, more often than not, I mean, we look at the rest of the world and Americans, no matter if we're poor by American standards or not, we are still rich. So it's hard for us to comprehend 
of only having just a little jar of oil and that is it that we have in our, for value in our house. We don't understand that. But this was the situation she was facing. She was going through major trials. As we think about the major trials that she was facing, I want us to think about how she responded to the trial. We've already talked a little bit about this, how she responded, but how do you respond during trials? So again, think about your burdens. Think about your trials for a moment. Maybe you're not going through a trial. You can't think of anything right now that you're really, that you're really devastated or frustrated or uh, concerned about. But um, can I just say something? If you're not going through a trial right now, <laughs> guess what's coming? <laughs> and it's sort of a bummer. It really is because it's like, oh, Lord, can you just give us a break for a while? And, 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 he, and he's like, no, I care too much about you to just make make life and let life be easy because trials are for our benefit uh, they're not out of judgment they're not because of sin james 1 is a, a really good passage to look at in regards to trials uh, if you want to go there you can um, but but james 1 reminds us in, in part the reason for trials it's to draw us close to the lord it's to cause joy to to come forth out of our heart um, it's not out of judgment. God is not saying, because you did this, then I'm going to give you this trial and punish you. That's what people do. But not God. There is sin in our lives, and God allows consequences to occur. And sometimes we equate that with a trial, but it's really just a consequence to our actions. There is sin in our life, and God clearly, in, in Hebrews, I think it's 10 talks about in 12, talks about the disciplining and the chastening of God where he gives us a spiritual spanking because we need it. We need that correction to get us back on track. That's not a trial either. That's a consequence. That's the chastening and discipline of, of the Lord. So what are trials? I want you to remember a couple things about trials as we think about this widow going through trials today. Number one, trials don't come because of sin. Secondly, trials are for our good. So if you're there in, in James, I want you to just notice uh, these verses. James chapter 1, starting in verse 2. Consider it all joy, brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And don't mistake that word perfect for without sin. It has nothing to do with that. Uh, James is talking about someone that uh, comes to maturity spiritually. Because of the trials, it deepens us. And so this is the hardest thing that we do when we're facing difficulties, when we're like the, the widow that has only a little oil and we're in debt up to our eyeballs and we don't see any hope and any way out. This is the trial where God does his best work. And when he sees us through it, then we grow by it and we persevere and we, be, we come out more refined. We come out more mature. And so with that in mind, we can look at trials and we can say, God, Thank you for the trial. I want you to not answer this publicly, but in your heart, think about some trials in the past that you've gone through and that you've come through. Are you thankful for them because you can see how God used them 
in such a way to teach you something, to draw you closer to him, to mature you? Can you look back at a trial and say, I can see how God was working through that. I hope you can. And I think as we talk to God about those trials, he will instruct us. He will tell us, hey, there's a reason. I love you enough to let you go through this. I love you enough not to allow you to stay the same old immature you, but to, to shape you and to refine you and to draw you closer to himself. Trials are for God's glory. In Romans 5 and verse 4, it says this about tribulation and testing and perseverance. It says in verse 4, and perseverance gives proven character and proven character, hope. And that that picture of perseverance and character and hope, the hope is not in ourselves, the hope is in God. And so ultimately what trials do, it gets our eyes back on God. It helps us trust Him. One other thing that we need to remember about trials as we think of this widow here facing difficulty, God doesn't promise to take you out of a trial. And so really, in my opinion, that's not a prayer that God really hears. Or he does hear, but he'll say no. Why does he say no when we say, God, would you take this trial away from me? Again, because he's doing a work. So God doesn't promise to take us out of trials, but he promises to bring us through the trial. And so when we read Psalm 23 and, the, and, and it talks about the valley of the shadow of death, God's there. He brings us through. He takes us through the valley. He doesn't just lift us out of it and put us back on the mountaintop. He brings us through because he's wanting to refine us. So God takes our trials, and in this case, uh, all I have is a little oil. And I'm in debt. And he uses it for our good and his glory. Through this mom's trials, as we look back at 2 Kings now, we see her godly character. She was in deep need, but her eyes were on God. So when faced with trials, do your eyes and your thoughts turn to the Lord? Do you have trust and confidence in God that he will bring you through those trials? Do you count it all joy? What trial are you facing today where you need to just turn your eyes and your attention back to the Lord? In what way is God trying to get your attention today? Are you responding? Are you turning to him? Trials refine and reveal character. And so we can embrace it in that way and we can take the godly characteristics of this mom, this widow, and apply it to ourselves as well. Lastly, a third thought that I have about this mother's godly character, her character is seen in her faith. And of all things, I think we clearly see a demonstration of her faith in her actions. It isn't necessarily in what she said, but really her faith in God was demonstrated in what she did. What did she do? First of all, in verses 3 and 4, she listened. She went to Elisha, and that's a demonstration of faith in itself. But as she went to Elisha and she told him the situation, notice it says there in verse 3, Then he said, so Elisha is speaking to her in response to the situation, Go borrow vessels at large and find empty ones and don't get a few. Get a lot of them. And so what we see there in verses 3 and 4, and she involves her sons there, and then go behind uh, your doors, close the door behind you, and then you fill up all the vessels that you accumulated. She listened. 
She listened to what Elisha was saying. And what I would do if I was in her situation, I'd be going, oh, come on. Really? That's the answer you have for me? But she listened. Along with listening, she was willing. She had a willing heart to do what was ridiculous, what was not normal, what was not expected or human. And Elisha said, don't just do a little bit, get a lot of them. And so again, she's thinking, what in the world is he telling me to do? I have a little jar of oil and I'm getting all these jars from these neighbors and big pots and there's no way. In verses 5 through 7, she, was listened, she, she listened, she was willing, and she obeyed. These are all demonstrations of faith. Notice in verses 5 through 7, she shut the doors, you and your sons. What is that a description of? Her obedience was an example to her sons. I love this picture here because what we see is just the true illustration of the godly character of a mom demonstrating her faith to her children. She was obedient to what God had told, and now she was displaying her faith and her obedience to her sons. And so she was involving her children in this experience. And so don't ever draw the wrong conclusion that these sons were not impacted the rest of their lives because of what they experienced. And you moms, especially of young kids, your children are impacted deeply by your response to live by faith, to walk by faith, to be obedient to what God says. I remember so many times in in my home growing up, my mom is a believer and she demonstrated her faith in God to us as kids. I remember one time uh, we were in our old Ford pickup and all, all three of us little kids were there with my mom and, and it was in the middle of winter and the, the truck wouldn't start. We were somewhere, I don't know where we were at, but the battery was, was not doing good and the truck wouldn't start. And so we were sitting there freezing there and my mom had the wisdom enough to do something And she stopped and she said to us kids, kids, let's pray. Let's ask God to help this truck to start. And so we prayed. And it started. Now, God doesn't always answer prayer like that. And he could have sent someone else to help jump the the pickup. But in that case, and that's something that I remember, my mom putting the Lord first and calling out to the Lord. Her faith. And we see this woman's faith. We see the humility of who she was that that she didn't respond and react to Elisha with with arrogance and pride and say, oh, come on. But she willingly sacrificed her own pride, going to her neighbors and and other people and saying, hey, could I borrow your jars? Well, what do you need them for? Well, um, and you know, what are you going to say? There's humility involved there. But she acted in faith. And so we see the actual miracle taking place. She went into her home with her sons and she obeyed by faith. She took that little jar of oil and, okay, here goes. What am I doing? I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm doing this, but here goes. And I'm going to start pouring. I can't even imagine uh, what that looks like. A little jar of oil and you start pouring and then you keep pouring and pretty soon one jar is filled and you're like, okay, this is very odd. And, you, and then you come over here and you... You start pouring again, and you look in, the, in your jar, and it's like the same level, and you keep pouring, and it's just so awesome. It reminds me of the feeding of the 5,000, where it just 
everything that you have is just multiplied. And that's the beauty of what God does. You see, without belief, without her belief, ultimately, that God would perform a miracle because she, she was not an idiot. She had to, to, to make this conclusion that Elisha was telling her to do something that, that ultimately defied physics and defied normal laws. Without belief, this mom and her need would have never been met. And so the Lord miraculously provided for her and her family. The Lord made it possible for her to pay all of her debt and to keep her sons and to live on the rest. That's a lot of oil. The Lord provided. And this is what I want us to go away with. The Lord met her need. And so again, think about this woman. Think about her situation and apply it to your life. What needs are you facing today? Because the same can be said of you and me. Without belief, our deepest needs will never be met. You see, you have needs that are way deeper than physical things. Your deepest needs are not your bank account or a better job or getting out of debt. Your deepest needs are the debt that you owe God because of your sin. We are sinners and our sin separates us from a holy God and we are in debt. And we owe God our lives because that sin has separated us from a holy God. But God in his love paid that debt at the cross for you and I. And it's only through belief. It's only receiving that gift that God wants to freely offer you, that miracle He wants to give you and extend to you and to fill up all the spiritual oil jars in your life and to meet all of your spiritual needs. And all you have to do is like this woman, you have to believe, you have to display faith. We don't do things to earn favor with God. We don't do good works to get accepted by God. We believe and we say, God, what you did was enough. What your son did was enough. And I put my faith in Jesus today for the salvation of my soul, for the cleansing of my sin, so that I can be made right with the Holy God. We sing about that today. The resurrection power. Jesus paid it all. He paid it for us. And all we have to do is receive Him by faith. And so again, as we leave today, do you see your need like this woman saw her need? She responded appropriately. The question is, are you going to respond the way that you need to? whether it's trials that you're facing in your life, the needs that you are facing in your life, whatever you are facing, turn to the Lord. Obey Him. Follow Him. Because if God cares for the birds of the air, if He cares for the fish in the sea and even the worms in the ground, if God can care for His creation like that and He can meet their every need, don't you think that God can meet your deepest needs? And even the most simple needs? Isn't he that kind of a God? He can. So take what you're facing today and lay it at his feet. Bring it to him and say, God, I want to give that to you. Maybe it's your heart. You need to give your heart to him in faith. Maybe it's the situation at work or your marriage or whatever it is. This is your opportunity to give it to the Lord. This mother's testimony of godly character, of trust, of faith... And hope in God can be ours as well. And I pray that we would give him our heart.
today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for moms. We thank you for this woman's godly example of just allowing you to show yourself and to reveal your glory through her life, for her responses of faith, for her responses of looking to uh, the right people to, that could take care of the situation. So I just pray you would help us to look to you. Help us to, to know that you are the one that sustains and meets our needs. And God, I just pray for any person here that, that their greatest need ultimately is that they have never put their faith in your son. I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict them of their lost condition, of their sin that separates them from a holy God, of their need to be saved. God, would you convict them now? And in that conviction, would you also tell them that the debt has been paid at the cross? Their sin is forgiven in Jesus. And I, I pray that you would speak truth to them and that they would cry out in belief and acceptance of Jesus as their one and only Savior. God, do that work and accomplish your purpose in each of our lives. Lord, help us to depend on you, to live for you, to be godly people because of what you're doing. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your kindness in displaying it in your son. And we give him all the glory today in Jesus' name. Amen.